Hi and welcome to Police Stories Podcast, episode number 14. I'm Dave and this is a series of short stories about my 28-year police career in the UK police. So we've heard about various different things. Today going to be slightly different again. This incident um, I had around about a year in, something like that, and I hadn't long finished and completed my sort of blues and twos permit, which is obviously the the driving so you can drive with the blue lights and the sirens, you know, everything young kids want to do. And as a young cop as well, you're keen to do that. Obviously, it's definitely a perk of the job and something that people enjoy. Over the years, perhaps it becomes uh, just a tool really to get you somewhere, but certainly to start with, you know, obviously it's good fun and people will say, oh no, it's all very serious. And of course it is, but you know, um, it's good fun as well, let's face it. So, uh, it's all very different now again, but the way it was done in my force at the time was you had somebody on your team who was like a team driver trainer and you also had a sort of travelling instructor who went around to the different divisions within my force and took you out for basically an hour's drive at a time, a bit like a sort of standard driving lesson. It's very different now, they tend to do a block sort of two week course or something for a basic blues and twos permit, but... Um, yeah, at the time we had this travelling uh, instructor who went around the division, you'd do an hour session with him, started off fairly gently and then slowly you'd work on to sort of uh, blue light runs, but obviously with the instructor sitting beside you who could kind of advise you or basically make sure that you were in essence safe, but it's all started off very slow and pretty controlled, you know. Um, and then what would happen was after a period of time, he would you'd have a little logbook and he'd write up, yeah, done, you know, two blue light runs, did okay, bit slow, bit fast, bit whatever, you know. Um, and then your team instructor could look at that and see what you'd been doing with the main sort of travelling instructor. And then after a period of time, when you got to a certain point, I think maybe you'd had like 10 lessons or something, the team instructor was now allowed to sit beside you uh, on on blue light runs to jobs. Um it worked pretty well. And then I think you had to have another maybe 10 blue light runs with your sort of team instructor. And at the end of it, he signed it off. Then you went back to the traveling instructor who finally um, sort of gave you a one final sort of check test, or maybe that was with another instructor from a totally different area. So, you know, there was a bit, it was somebody who didn't know you. So they were, you know, sort of removed from you. It wasn't a question of, you know, your pal writing you up for a permit. So somebody who didn't know you would take you on a final check test, blue light run. If they signed you off, that was it, done. So by the time you were officially signed off, I think you had about 20 blue light runs one way or another under your belt. And it seemed to work quite well, the system. So I'd gone through this process. The only thing was, um, when I was about five blue light runs in maybe with my local instructor, um, various cars had sort of broken down. So we found ourselves left with what I talked about on the last podcast, which was the big DAF carrier. So this was a 16-seater minibus with a 3.5-litre V8 Rover engine in manual gearbox. Um, quite a beast, you know, and even in a big sort of uh, body like that, this thing was quite quick, especially for a sort of, uh, you know, effectively a minibus. Uh, you know, it was a riot van. It was the trouble bus. Um, it was the meat wagon that they used to carry around, you know, the big knuckleheads to fight with uh, or to stop the fighting uh, on, a, on a Friday and Saturday night. Um, however, that was all we had available. So my um, guy on team basically said, well, let's take the DAF out, you know, 
um, we'll we'll do some blue light runs and that. That'll be a bit different. And then you'll be sort of trained up in that as well. So I was like, yeah, great. So I ended up doing about at least five blue light runs in this DAF, which was a totally different beast because, you know, it was huge. I'd never driven anything big like this, certainly not at speed. Now, they went very fast in a straight line. You know, they were really quite quick for what they are, but their brakes were rubbish. Never a good combination, obviously. Um, but uh, so we had a few hairy moments in this van, but ultimately I got signed off and that was it. And when it came to the final check test, the instructor sat down with me and we had a cup of tea before we went out and he looked at my sort of driving permit and my little book that said, you know, from the various instructors what I'd been doing and stuff. And he said, okay, good, yeah. So you got uh, 15, 20 uh, blue light runs, that's great. Um, we'll just give you a final check test. Um, what's this D that they've marked down next to the last sort of five blue light runs you've done? And I said, oh, that was because I did them, you know, in the, in the DAF carrier. And he was like, what? It, you, you did blue light runs in the DAF carrier? And I was like, that's right, yeah. He said, you're not allowed to. It's a totally separate permit. You're not even allowed to drive it normally, let alone on blue light runs. And I was like, ooh. So <laughs> I'd done five blue light runs completely not allowed in this great big carrier. Um, but needless to say, uh, I had a reasonable last drive. He signed me off and then the following week he came back. He took me out for a blue light run in the DAF and then basically signed me off for the, a blue light run in the carrier as well because he said, well, you've done it already. You're pretty much there. Let's have a check chest. Yeah, the driving's fine. So that was that. So that was me released onto the streets with a shiny uh, blue light permit. That meant I could drive by myself then, single crewed if needs be, to blue light run. So I was feeling pretty pleased with myself. Um, I was on a night shift. I got posted over to... Um, the next town to the one I was actually working in, which was always a bit of a downer for me because generally there wasn't so much going on there, particularly on a night shift. So it could be a bit stale, you know, later on in your service, you were quite happy that you were catching up on paperwork and doing admin and there wasn't loads going on. But as a young buck as I was at the time, you know, you were desperate to get out and get in all sorts of trouble. Well, I certainly achieved it on this night. Um, I remember being, there was about a half an hour drive to the next town across some dual carriageways. Um, I was absolutely knackered. I remember that because the previous night I'd been to a serious assault where a female had been glassed in the face. And amazingly, she'd come away with quite light injuries. It was just um, a few stitches, literally like two or three stitches in her eyebrow. That was it. I mean, she could have been horrifically sort of disfigured. Some Another girl had smashed a glass in her face, which had smashed and had cut her. Um, so she was lucky, but I made a, a very stupid mistake and learned a big lesson that night. This was the days when everyone smoked and you could smoke in the police station, in the interview room. Now, the interview room was tiny. It was like a little box room. There was barely space for a table and two chairs. And I sat in this room for four hours um, in the early hours as well. It was like uh, from two in the morning. Um, so I was already tired with this woman taking this lengthy statement over four hours, exactly written statement, exactly what had happened and how this woman had smashed the glass in her face. And she chain smoked. I didn't smoke and, and I haven't really ever smoked. And she chain smoked the entire four hours, literally finished one, lit another one. And I was in this tiny room, you know, I was tired and my eyes were you know, knackered, I, oh, I was feeling rubbish and she just blew smoke on my face for four hours basically. I took this statement. Anyway, we get to the end of the statement. Now at the time, there was no such thing as victimless prosecution. So you had to have the consent of the person to go forward both with the sort of police action and subsequently they'd agree to go to court. If you didn't have that, then that was the end of the job. 
Now, this changed fairly shortly after that because what was happening was there was a lot of domestic incidents and um, very often the woman would withdraw her support for a police prosecution. So basically the guy would get away with it. And, and we were literally going back to the same addresses, sometimes almost daily, to poor women that were being beaten senseless. They'd make a statement, they'd make a complaint, husband would be arrested. The following day they'd withdraw that complaint, husband released, no further action. Day or two later, you're back there again for the same thing. And this went on and on. So it got to the point where basically now you can have victimless prosecutions. If a woman comes to you after she's been assaulted or anybody and says, I don't want to support police action, I'm not going to attend court. You can now say, well, I'm sorry, I've got the evidence and therefore it is going to court and you will be compelled to appear. And, and that's right, obviously, because, you know, it was getting ridiculous and women were seriously injured and killed. Um, it was a bad situation. So anyway, having taken this great big long statement, we get to the end of it. I, I think I've done a good job. I'm four hours in. I'm covered in smoke. My eyes feel like they're about to start bleeding. They're so tired and full of smoke. And I say to her, so just to confirm you support police action and you're willing to attend court as a witness. Oh, no, 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 I don't want to do anything. I just thought you wanted to know what happened. I said, I'm sorry. So so you don't want to support police action? No, no. So I was like, oh, so I've done it all for nothing, basically. That was the end of it. You know, several pages, hours, totally wasted. So another lesson for me, of which there was quite a few of those. So back to the story. We're travelling to this local town. I'm in a prison van, so it's basically like a Ford Transit with a, a cell in the back for putting bad guys and girls in when they're arrested. And I was with a female colleague, and we were just on a normal night shift. There was nothing going on as far as we knew, and, and that was us heading off for this area driving around the town and just generally sort of flying the flag and, and making sure there was no problems and answering calls. There hadn't been a lot going on. Now, there was an inspector that covered the two areas, um, these two towns. He covered them both. So during the night or during the shift, he would generally drive from one to the other just to say hello to the sergeants, maybe speak to the PCs and, and have a chat with them and see how they were. Um so generally the inspector, uh, certainly down south, anyone inspector above, they're called sir, but they're quite often called governor. Um, that is the sort of uh, term for them. Um, so you would call them that to their face. Generally, they'd be all right with that. They were the governor. That was it. Uh, inspector and above. <clears throat> so the governor uh, is driving across uh, to where we were uh, working for the night. And halfway across, roughly, there was quite a large pub. Now, this pub had... Uh, a reputation, but it was like a Tuesday night or something. You know, it wasn't expected to be problems anywhere. There was no information or intelligence suggesting there was any issues that night. What we didn't know was there was quite a large wake, you know, a, a party, if you can call it that, after a funeral um, at this pub that night. Now, quite often these descend into chaos, and I suspect, you know, a combination of add some alcohol along with very high emotions from a recent family death, and then possibly you've got the uh, the looming spectre of, you know, inheritance and people arguing over money and all sorts of things come out of wakes. Quite often wakes ends in, you know, punch-ups, basically, and tonight was no different. So the inspector's single crude, the governor's single crude, he's driving across, he's halfway across to where we were and about roughly 15 minutes from any help when a huge fight erupts as he passes this pub spills out in front of him, full-on fight, um, and he puts up 
what we talked about last week, which was an urgent assistance, or he put up the, the code for it in this particular force, which was a 1020. So really rare call, you know, you didn't hear it very often. And bear in mind, you know, there was no build up to this. Normally, you know, someone's gone to a job and you think, well, I know that person, they're going to kick off. So we'll send two cars and we're ready for a bit of trouble. But literally, there was nothing going on. The inspector hadn't told anyone that he, he was coming across. He didn't have to. Um, and then, yeah, just suddenly out of the blue, this 1020 from the governor, uh, large fight, and he put out the pub name. And uh, and that was it. You know, every unit going was going. It was, it was heading for it, you know, at absolute breakneck speed, you know, as quick as you can. As I said last week, this is really basically shit or bust. You know, this is bad. Um, this inspector wasn't known for putting these out. I'd never heard of him putting one out before. So it was taken very seriously. Now, he was very lucky because weirdly, within about 10 minutes of where he was, there was four police dog units training. Um, they were doing some, I think, tracking training or something. Now, normally in the whole county, you might have only had two or three dogs on of a night, uh, let alone four dogs and within sort of 10 minutes of your location. Now, I've spoken about them before, but, you know, the furry crocodiles have a fantastic um, reaction uh, from members of the public some people love them, some people hate them, but regardless, you know, they're a cop's best friend as long as he's not biting you or she. Um, so, yeah, very, very lucky. So the 1020 went up, loads of units went, including four dog units, which were very close. So fantastic um, reaction. So myself and my colleague, we're blue lighting. I came hairing through the town centre. Now, this was an old school sort of town centre. It had cobbles in the high street still not tarmac sort of old cobbles like something out of a dickens novel now when they're wet they're very slippery so i came hammering around this corner bearing in mind i'm a new driver in a transit van or a new blue light driver i lost the back end of the van as i came around the corner and ended up going sideways in a sort of dukes of hazard styley around the corner thankfully i didn't hit any bollards and this was the days really before cctv so my pride was intact no one saw it and uh, we had a bit of a chuckle to ourselves and basically carried on. And we're hearing on the radio, various units are turning up and more units are calling for more assistance. So we know it's bad and we know it's big. And the dogs are quite close. They're, they're not there yet, but they're very nearby. So we were only about, I don't know, 10 minutes away, if that. We come screaming up to this uh, pub. And in front of me, if you can imagine, there's like a dual carriageway. So you've got two lanes uh, either side of the road. Um, and then running down the middle of the road is a grass verge. We came screaming up on the left-hand side, obviously, because that's where we drive in the UK, and there was already chaos there. There was people rolling around the floor fighting, and now the dogs are out, so there's a line of police dogs trying to clear people away. There's always a few hangers-on and watchers, what you didn't have then, because there wasn't really about. There, were, there was no people out with mobile phones filming, which is what you get now all the time. That just wasn't happening. Um, because as no one had them basically, or certainly they didn't have cameras, etc. Um, the main bulk of fighting people was in the middle of the road on this grass verge, and I could see sort of almost like the sea, you know, the sort of waves of people pushing back and forward as they're fighting and throwing punches at each other and shoving each other in the chest. So this was a full-on fight, still in progress. As I say dogs are trying to clear people away. We come screaming up, and I had the old blue lights, so. It wasn't like, yeah, sorry, the old sirens. It wasn't like the old sirens. So it was a proper kind of nino, nino, as I'm going up there, really old school. And um, we come hammering up to this this group that are fighting and that 
just as we get really close to them, um, there's another group on our left that's fighting as well. Sort of smaller groups have broken away and are fighting. And there's a surge in this group. So I'm going too fast. I'm braking hard, but still probably doing 20 mile an hour, but full on the brakes now, almost to the point that I'm skidding because I'm desperately now trying to stop without running anyone over. And there's a surge in the crowd on the on the near side and someone gets pushed right out into the edge of, of the van, basically. And I clip them with the wing mirror quite hard. I don't know where, but I'm aware of a, a quite a loud, a loud, noisy impact on that near side mirror. Um, and I look in my mirror to see whoever I've hit is now tumbling down the road in a big sort of, you know, <clears throat> um, over head over heels. And I was thinking, oh my God, you know, I've, I've killed someone or I've seriously injured them. I was terrified of what I was going to see. You know, it wasn't my fault, but it doesn't make you feel any better. So I said to my colleague, oh my God, I've hit someone, you know, who have I hit? So she looks sort of round the corner, sort of open, the window was open, I think, and she sort of looked out, looked back and she said, the governor. And I was like, oh shit, you know, not only have I hit someone, but I've hit my inspector, the guy who's put up this 1020, the urgent assistance. I can't believe it. So all this horrific stuff is going through my mind. By now the van's come to a stop and we jump out of the van, we go running back. And by now, thankfully, the governor is standing up. He's back into the fight. He's got a massive black eye, a really big shiner. He's got someone in a headlock. And um, I, I go running up to him, sort of almost like patted him down, you know, even though it's just not appropriate or not the time. And I'm like, oh my God, governor, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? You know? And he was like, no, I'm not. This fucking idiot's hit me. My own team's running me over. And you can imagine he basically went crazy. He had a right rant at me right there and then, which was completely acceptable <laughs> given the circumstances. So all I could do was apologise. I think we took his prisoner, what you call prisoner's bodies. I took his body off him, uh, who was, I don't think, handcuffed at that point. We handcuffed him. He got slung in the van. And then slowly the fight is picked apart and broken up. And... Uh, yeah, basically, I can't remember now, it was something like eight or ten arrests. It was quite a decent arrest rate. There ended up being about 20 cops there, thankfully the four dogs. And that really made it, because without the dogs, you know, we might have struggled to break it up and there might have been a few more of us assaulted. But the poor old governor, yeah, black eye. And unfortunately, he said how much his shoulder was hurting him. And I hate to say, looking at his shoulder, it didn't look right. Do you know what I mean? It didn't like sort of look equal. He was definitely a bit slopey on one side and a bit sticky out and lumpy. So, of course, he was off to hospital. And uh, already now, you know, I was getting calls on the radio saying, Governor's been injured, you know, uh, people putting it up. And I was thinking, I oh, know, I'm here. It was pretty much me that did it. Um, so <laughs> this carries on. He goes off to hospital. I say there's about eight or ten in custody. He goes off to hospital and we all meet up later, early hours, kind of five, six in the morning, just prior to going off. In walks the inspector uh, with his arm in a bandage and a sling. Um, great big shiner, not looking very happy, although thankfully he did have a sense of humour. And at this point already, he was having a chuckle to himself. He did have some private words with me. Um, they started off as a bit uh, shouty, but needless to say, he said, I'm just glad you all came and basically and saved me. Um, it, you know, it wasn't your fault. It was an accident. And so I never got disciplined or any sort of formal driving uh, permit sort of taken off me or anything like that. Um, but unfortunately, his shoulder was dislocated. So uh, that was a bit of a claim to fame. Uh, inspector puts up a 1020. 
I turn up, knock him over and dislocate his shoulder. Um, so again, I said last week, and it's a constant theme throughout, banter and basically piss-taking of the police. Um, you can imagine, I never ever lived it down. And even, you know, some 15, 20 years later, I was bumping into people going, do you remember that time when you knocked the governor down? Yeah, yes, I remember that time. Thank you for bringing that up. That's brilliant. Um, so there we go. That was the story. Quite an amusing one, although possibly not for the inspector. Um, so that's that. Episode 14. Bit of a shorter one this week. Just varies. That's how it goes. Um, downloads fantastic really good thank you YouTube Police Stories Podcast we're pretty much everywhere now we've got a page on Instagram and YouTube and um, TikTok and all sorts uh, just generally directing people to the podcast it's going really well and I really appreciate uh, you downloading it and I do hope that it's been interesting for you and will continue to be so so thanks very much you take it easy and I'll speak to you again soon cheers bye